We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I just like the sound. All right, guys, joining us now is Mike Renner, PFF underscore Mike, the lead draft analyst of PFF. Mike, what's good, brother? How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, fellas. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're out in Cincinnati, right? Yeah, Cincinnati. I've been here five years since uh, Chris Collinsworth bought PFF. We opened office here. What's uh? Where are you from originally? I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and so I'm like a Packers fan from birth. But then I, I grew up in middle of nowhere, central Illinois, a uh, really small town. So I usually just say Illinois; it's easier. Yeah, I feel. You. Uh, I was just curious if you went from like uh, L.A., New York, Miami to going to Cincinnati, what that transition <laughs> would have been like. So I did move from Chicago. I was living in Chicago before I moved here, and it was a little. It was a transition. For sure, but I mean, I, compared to like I said, where I where I went to college in South Bend, Indiana, and then where I grew up in a tiny small town, like uh, Cincinnati, is still pretty cool for me. All right, we can we can talk. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to that in a little bit, but I do want to pick your brain, man. You are the lead draft analyst for PFF, and man, I feel like I might be in the minority here. I don't know, but. I'm not as all in on Joe Burrow as everyone else is. And you being in Cincinnati, you're probably closer to the pulse of what the city and the town is like for him and him being the, you know, pretty much the consensus top pick in the draft. My concern, Mike, with him is just 
Man, I feel like we've seen these kind of quarterbacks just have so much talent around them, have that one magical, historic season, and then go into the NFL. And, yeah, it's dope to be the number one draft pick, but the circumstance that he's stepping into in Cincinnati isn't exactly a juggernaut that he's inheriting. So am I? is that a ridiculous take on my end for being concerned with Joe Burrow? I think there is something to be said for you know, his numbers he put up this past year, just like the out of this world, uh, you know, completion percentage, touchdowns, whatever, are, are inflated. Like, he's not quite that, what we saw, because of how good his receivers were around him, because of, you know, how many contested catches they won, how many times he kind of threw, I don't want to say jump balls down the field, but more like, more 50-50 sort of, uh, just giving his guy a chance. And, you know, Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, his guy came down with it. So, I do think his numbers are a little bit inflated, but you can sort of evaluate those chances that he took. And, and when he did, you know, uh, it, when it is a 50-50 ball or was it, is he putting it on the receiver's leverage instead of the DB's leverage? Is he kind of, is he giving his guy a better shot at it than the defensive back? Is it into double coverage or is it single coverage where, uh, you know, the DB is trailing and, and it's never going to be a pick no matter what, like it's against his leverage, that sort of thing. So I, I do think when you sort of break it down like that, He's giving his guy really good chances. Like the, the reason why Justin Jefferson was so good in contested catch situations is because the ball is always on, you know, the place where only Justin Jefferson can catch it. So it's kind of a give and a take between QB and wide receiver there. And so while I do agree that he's inflated a bit by the talent around him, the accuracy and other stuff he showed on tape, like I, I'm not sure, like the flaw, I don't, I'm not sure just having a ton of talent around you is a flaw in and of itself, you know? We've seen some draft trends over years where it'd be teams preferring like taller corners or three tech defensive linemen. Do you see any sort of trends that are going to emerge in this upcoming draft where you know a bunch of teams are targeting a certain type of player at a certain type of position? That's a good question in terms of, I think linebacker um, more than any other position in the NFL has seen an overhaul in the past decade. It is in terms of what's asked from it's it's basically turned into a strong safety you know your strong safety is from a decade ago cam chancellor is coming into the league right now he's playing linebacker like the, the cam chancellor at 6'2 230 is not ever playing safety in today's nfl uh, I, I just think that's kind of the way uh they've just trended sort of smaller and smaller faster and faster at that position stop the wide running game any downhill sort of power runs well, that's on the d-line that's not necessarily on my linebackers you got to keep those guys clean so i do think that Linebacker, more than anything else, is trending towards uh, explosiveness, speed, not necessarily size anymore. Size is almost like being 250 pounds is almost a detriment now at linebacker position in the NFL. And I do want to mention, since you know, I covered the Falcons, Deion Jones was someone that PFF was quite down on. I'm not sure if you were, but I know a lot of people from there. So I, that's kind of like one of the parties. I was a draft analyst. That was well before that. So don't, oh. don't get hold of that one. All right, cool. I'm not going to put that on you, but I just remembered but it was bad. Like Steve Palazzolo in particular, who's the man, but he was very critical. So you look at those linebackers. Someone, I think Deion Jones is what, like 225 pounds? I think he's like the prime example of like that transition with the linebackers. And I know you yes. could maybe mention like Deion Buchan, but he wasn't necessarily one was particularly good. But I think like someone like Deion Jones, you would say was a good example. Tell us, Smith. Yeah, guys like that. So what do you make of a guy like Isaiah Simmons, right? He lights up the the combine. And, I mean, he was a big, you know, he was a top 10 pick regardless of what he did at the combine. And then he just, like, blew everyone out, out of the water there. And he's kind of that player that you were describing, right? Like, he's built 
like a linebacker, but can play safety. According to you guys, last year he played over 100 snaps at five different positions, which is absolutely ridiculous. And, Mike, I don't know if Alan told you this, but I am a struggling New York Giants fan, and I am salivating at the idea of him being there at number four for them. And then probably not taking him because Gettleman, I mean, we could keep you on for an hour and a half to hear me vent about Gettleman, but how do you feel about Isaiah Simmons? I love Simmons, and I think he's the way, again, the way the NFL is trending just for a lot of positions, whether it's safety, linebacker, even kind of slot cornerback, you have to be versatile. The versatility is so is so huge for you know defense coordinators being able to match. It's because of the way offenses are trending. You know, it used to be so like a decade ago, two wide receivers sets were the norm. Now, now everyone's running three wide as base. You know, their base personnel has three wide receivers out on the field. They're spread out. You know, sometimes you'll kick the wide, kick the running back out into the you know spread them out wider into the slot. And then you're going to have to match formations. You're going to have to match trips. You're going to have to match all these different combinations that the offense could throw at you. And sometimes that's going to leave your linebacker one-on-one with a wide receiver. And sometimes that's going to leave a guy over the middle of the field one-on-one. And the more the more the guys you can get at that position that can hold up in those situations and not have to force you to change personnel entirely when they go four wide or five wide offense to match anything the offense throws at you, the better. And so to me, that's Isaiah Simmons, and he kind of. I've been saying he takes back the sort of how, uh, you know, offenses sort of dictate what defenses have to do. I think he can almost dictate what offenses have to do in terms of uh, if he's, you know, right off the line of scrimmage, you know, looking to blitz, you, you can't you can't let that guy run free with, you know, four sub four, four speed at 238 pounds. He's going to kill your quarterback. You can't, you know, he can go from the slot and all of a sudden you go into motion uh, and they don't have to, you know, completely change uh, the structure of their defense, he can all of a sudden change. Uh, he can turn into your slot cornerback for that play, or your outside cornerback for that play, just depending on uh, what he's, you know, what defense is called. So I do think that that's going to be huge. Uh, more players like that entering the NFL is basically what what's needed for defenses to keep up with these modern offenses. I want to transition to the NFL offseason. Some of the main storylines. I do want to give you a huge credit on this player. Back in 2016, Chris Jones was a second-round pick. You infamously had him as, I think, the third-rated prospect. Am I right about that? Uh, we, at PFF, it ended up being, like, 10th on okay. our board. But I remember you but were particularly I was, crazy. Yeah, I was super high on him. Yeah. I was a little higher than him. And yeah. he's emerged into being one of the best tier tackles in general, pass rush or whatever it may be, in the league. Uh, rumors of him possibly being franchised, maybe even getting traded, kind of like D4. What do you make of Chris Jones? Is he someone worthy of being invested in? Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I think there's a tier. So the Aaron Donaldson is no tier, but then there's a tier below that. That's probably probably like Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones, maybe Cameron Hayward in terms of just guys who are disruptive, play after play. A little Grady uh, Jarrett interior. or no Grady Jarrett? Grady Jarrett. Yeah, I think Grady Jarrett. You can oh. toss into that uh, as well in terms of just the, play after play. They are, uh, you know, a handful. For you're not going to single block them. And you're not going to feel good about it if you are single blocking him. So, uh, I, I I think that edge is still more valuable. The edge rusher is getting that in your defense. Uh, you know, interior guys can only do so much unless you are Aaron Donald and you are you know completely unblockable. But uh, I, I think he's well worth the franchise tag at this point and whatever that cost is. I'm not sure I'm going to reset the market with him and top Aaron Donald, but I'm going to pay him, you know, in the neighborhood of 20 million a year. 
Mike, if there's one team that you feel as if when they leave the draft, they have to at least address this position, what team would that be and what is that position for that team? Besides, I'd say besides like quarterback for a bunch of teams, um, I'm going to go with, I, it's, it's, I think it's too obvious, but and they might even do it in free agency, but Brown's an offensive tackle because he literally just—they don't have an offensive tackle. <laughs> and nobody on the roster right now. So there's a few teams where offensive tackle, just like you can't be sending out. And this is why offensive tackles get paid so much, even if they're not, uh, you know, in our PFF WAR metric, even if they're not the most valuable. It's because there's the difference between just average and off at the position, sending out a backup at the tackle position. It's just it ruins your offense. You can't run anything. You can't run any sort of deep concepts. And so uh, I do think that uh, them, probably maybe like the Jets, there's a few teams that just like they got to get an OT at some point. Man, for me, it's – and the report came out today that the Eagles now have 10 picks in this draft, and they got um, a third and two fourth-round uh, compensatory picks. Dude, I I can't picture another team that needs like a wide receiver on the outside more than them. I thought you were gonna say corner. They've needed a corner for about well, four well, years. Corner, yeah, corner too. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But like, dude, what what Carson? Because I because Mike, I'm a big Carson Wentz believer, mm-hmm. despite being a Giants fan. Like, I think that dude is a top five talent in the league. And what he was able to do last year with all these guys just being picked up off the street, a college quarterback was like his go to wide receiver in the playoffs. And I think a guy like Henry Ruggs from Alabama or a CD Lamb. Well, that's the thing, though. Can you see something where they can maybe move up? And I'm not. I'm not a fan of trading up for anyone but a quarterback. But when you have a guy like Wentz to to grab one of these premier wide receivers, I think they just need some speed. Uh, I mean, like Alshon Jeffrey and. Uh, you know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I think, are fine enough one, too, if you just get someone else in there in the slot who can challenge deep. So someone like K.J. Hamler in the second round or even Jalen Rager in the first round, I, I think would – I'm not going to say they're going to be as good as Henry Ruggs, but I, I'm not going to trade up for Ruggs just because I need speed. There are there are a bunch mm-hmm. of guys that have speed in this draft class, so I think either of those guys could do a nice little imitation there of Ruggs. Yeah, I can't see Harry Roseman making any sort of uh, rush moves. He's one of the more savvy GMs out there. So, um, one, I want to quickly back into free agency. The defense, just edge rusher class in general. There's so many edge rushers that are going to be available. Is there one in particular that you think should be heavily invested? Because you know teams are desperately need edge rushers. They're going to overspend. Is there one edge rusher where it's like, okay, forget the price. We need to get him. I think I still think Shaq Barrett's is probably not going to get paid what he's necessarily worth in terms of guys just if you're a UDFA and the NFL you just don't get the chances that a first round pick would like if that was Vic Beasley uh, who just put up the season that Shaquille Barrett did he'd probably make uh, you know he'd be he'd set the market in free agency this this offseason but because the guy's a UDFA maybe didn't test you know the greatest at the combine but he's been productive every single year of his career so I think the price tag a lot of those guys are going to get overpaid, but the price tag where Shaquille Barrett ends up is probably to be, I know he did lead the league in sacks, and that's going to obviously boost up his stock, you know, and notoriety around the NFL, but uh, I still think his price tag is probably going to be, I'd probably rather pay him what he's going to get than someone like Clowney and what he's going to get. 
Yeah, because I feel like Barrett put more like a complete body of work. Like you saw what he was doing to tackles. Like he was abusing tackles on a weekly basis. And uh, I, th- I think also Tampa Bay is probably going to franchise him because they have that option. Mm-hmm. So that's that. That probably is actually what ends up happening with that. And, and a handful of these guys, to be honest. Because right. it's already happened in Gakwe, even though that's a whole murky situation. Yeah, the Gakwe situation. I mean, the Jags, dude, people leaving left and right does not. Uh, not having nice things to say is not a great look for them, I'll just say. Mike, why do you think that's the case? I find what you said just now really interesting about the first-round pick narrative and them getting either more money in free agency or getting more opportunities. Like, the Giants take Eric Flowers in the first round, and after 20 games, you had an idea that this guy couldn't cut it, but he continued to be the starter out there. Then he goes to a different team, and he becomes a starter over there also. But then you look at a guy like Barrett, or you look at some of these guys that are uh, undrafted free agents, and then they're they're so productive. Where why do they still reference the combine or the fact that they were undrafted? It's hard to shake. I mean, it's like human nature to want to prove your prior conception, you know, your prior opinion, right? And to be vindicated. And so, guys, hold on. I mean, shit, I hold on to the to. Uh, to sort of like guys who were my guys, quote unquote, in past years who maybe have underperformed and still think that, hey, this is the year they're going to put it together. And so, yeah, past evaluations, uh, it's difficult. It's just difficult to get over that and to be, you know, to admit that you were wrong and to admit that, hey, this guy is actually super talented and I just didn't see it coming out. Or vice versa, hey, this guy is actually just trash and uh, completely whiffed on it. It's difficult to admit that, and that's in any walk of life. So I just think it's it's kind of human nature, but the good GMs are the ones that can sort of admit that bias, you know, admit that that's a thing, and then try to work or try to get over it. Besides Tom Brady, is there any other quarterback that you're really intrigued by in terms of like what's on the market, like in terms of storyline, where they might going, or is it just all about Tom Brady for you? I'm so I'm kind of intrigued by this is going to sound dumb, but I think Andy Dalton. If Andy Dalton goes to a legit team like I don't know Chicago Bears, Andy Dalton goes somewhere else like a complete roster. That's someone that needs even like Dalton goes to the Patriots or something. If Brady doesn't come back, I would be interested to see. Because of all the sort of crap the Bengals get for not being a well-run organization or whatnot, not really going to speak on that. But I just think that he had years where he had playing like a top ten quarterback. Now he had a good offensive line, good talent around him, but like that's not often what it takes to look like a top ten quarterback in the NFL is some talent around you. So uh, I'm just curious to see what he'll look like uh, in a different jersey because I assume he's going to be on the move. Who's a, who's a young quarterback that's already been in the league for a couple of years that you think can have a breakthrough going into next year? And I know there's still a lot of pieces that need to fall into place, but who's a guy that you have good vibes about and from what you're hearing? Ah, man, this is going to sound, and this is, again, like back to prior, not going to let go of prior, but I still think Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield are due to put it together at, at some point. Uh, Darnold's had just zero around him in terms of talent. I mean, outside of Robbie Anderson, had an awful offensive line. No real receiving talent around him. So if they just put something, instead of giving him a Le'Veon, a washed-up running back, give him some actual receivers that can get open, I think that he, you could see a turnaround from him in year three. And then Baker, I mean, we saw it as a rookie. Like, no one peaks in year one. So I think his, his best football probably is still ahead of him. It's just uh, that, was, that whole locker room was a cancer last year that I, I think – getting rid of that and then moving on was the right decision. 
Wouldn't you think though with the coaching staffs, like how much do you put into you know, Adam Gay said that you know what Cleveland's doing right now? Is that something that's kind of concerning to you, or is it you just believe in their talent's gonna override all that? Yeah, the Adam Gay thing is concerning, obviously, because considering you know Tannehill, how the how he looked, how the Dolphins' offense just looked without him this past year, with like lesser talent probably than they had uh, back in 2018. So th- there's a lot of reason to be concerned about uh, what he do with that offense. But I-, I don't know. I still believe in the talent. Like I still, I still think there's something there uh, with Darnold. So, it- but it is difficult. You know, was the Belichick quote, no no good player can overcome bad coaching. It just, it is when you're, especially at the quarterback position. Oh, man. You know, what, the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm looking right now at the most available cap space for every team. And like I mentioned before, I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. So, Mike, make, make me feel better about myself, man. If you're the Giants, what do you think is their main priority going into the free agency? Dude, I, I can't really help you. I <laughs> not Leonard Williams, I hope. Like, uh, I, I, I'm too not late. even going to try to jump inside Gettleman's mind and you know try to figure out what he's going to go after because it's probably going to end up with you know paying Jack Conklin far too much money or, or some, some mid-tier player. Uh, it could be Nate Solder all over again sort of thing happening, which... I just one guy is not going to fix it. There is the biggest thing to like realize with their cap space. It's not going to be one guy. They need a half dozen to even get competitive. And then after that, they need to hit on a lot of draft picks. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing is they need full overhaul. It can't just be target one guy. It should be target, you know, a lot of guys. Michael, why off with this, given that you you entering the role of being the lead analyst of PFF is someone that's so passionate about the draft. Maybe just, Tell us to our listeners how it all came about, how you became so passionate about just the, you know, the whole scouting process and then eventually become an analyst and what PFF, because one thing I really appreciate about PFF is just every year they seem to take it to another level when it comes to putting together grades and just overall analysis and scouting. Like There always seems to be like a new feature on the website. Could you maybe get into that? Yeah, so uh, we got a new draft guide this year that has 250 guys. We're going to update it to 300, and then I think that I think it's about 300 is going to be all it's going to be. But it has background information on them, like how they, where they grew up, scouting or recruiting information, you know, that sort of stuff, and then how they played in college, full stats and grades, breakdown of you know all their uh, sort of uh, grades throughout their college career, and then analysis, pros and cons. Uh, rounds, grades, pro comparisons, all that in the draft guide. So there's a ton of, we put out a ton of draft content, more than we've ever done in years past. And we have a full draft focused podcast that I'm on that runs year round called Two for One Drafts as well. Mike, last thing for me, I don't know if I've ever gotten a chance to talk to someone that uh, was on a television show like The Bachelorette. Um, dude, tell me a little bit about that experience as well, man. <laughs> Pretty unique. It was. So I always tell people it wasn't actually like fun to be there. It was stressful to be there. You're on edge all the time because you're filmed and you don't get a say necessarily in what you do. So you have no like autonomy. And it just was, I did enjoy actually being there. I enjoyed the experience in terms of just seeing everything. And then like in retrospect, like I'm very glad I did it. But when you're in that house, man, it's not like 
it's not like fun. There's nothing to do, and you're just sitting around talking to 20 guys you don't know about this one chick. So it's it's a weird ass experience, but uh, it's something you know that'll probably follow me for probably the rest of my life at this point. <laughs> Without popular shows. Yeah, it is unbelievable. There's like a cult like following between the Bachelor and the Bachelorette stuff, and I don't know, I've just never had a chance to talk to someone that was on the show. So I was always just curious how that was like. And look, we got to give you love for the introduction, the whole cardboard setup, just, I, I was speechless when I watched it. I watched every episode because I wanted to support Mike, although it did get very tiresome by like 45 minutes, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, you're too much, but the introduction alone, I think, makes you, at least, it was memorable. You did at least uh, one day, yeah. It was so dumb. They, like, asked me to do that, and I was just like, whatever, I'll have a better idea, and then, oof, did not, it backfired, but. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, football Twitter was fully behind you, so that's at least one. Of <laughs> I know. It's great. It's great to watch. Yeah, you know, Mike, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for joining the show. The floor is yours. If there's anything over at PFF that you want to plug, if there's anything personal you want to plug, uh, any draft guides, whatever, the floor is yours, man. Hey, I guess just follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike and the draft guide for nine ninety nine. Like this is stuff that's never, never been available to the public before. We think it's the best draft guide that uh, anyone's ever done. Obviously, we're a little biased, but I, I think it's a really, it, it is pretty slick. So, uh, would recommend to anyone. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts and esports that is on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Yes, if they could set lines for it, you can bet it, folks. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. Promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Did a shit my whole life. Thoughts as a whole on this free agency? Star-studded? I would say star-studded. Yeah, I think it's one of the better ones of the last couple of years. And we haven't heard much about franchising yet, so I think it's been... Ngakwe got franchised, AJ Green, Justin Simmons, and... Blank on someone, but I think that's it. It hasn't been too many so far. So, players are going to be out there, and there's going to be a lot of estimates, especially what's going on with Dallas. That's a big thing. Just There's a lot of huge storylines, especially with the... With the premier organizations, where you look at what's going on in New England, what's going on in Dallas, I think those are the two big ones. Uh, when we talk about Mike, I think just so, if you need an edge rusher, just be ready. You're gonna have to spend a lot of money, but the talent's out there. So I think, especially defensively, with edge rusher and there's a couple of D tackles as well, uh, we're gonna see a lot of crazy contracts as is every off season. But I think the name star power, at least, it's a big deal. Yeah, I also want to mention uh, Marshall Yonda retired. One true greats. Yeah, one of the first, one of the first offensive linemen I liked watching. He was just consistently elite year in year out. He would just make every sort of, especially at the second level, just constantly. And there's like a whole, there's like a whole group of offensive line Twitter, like where it's like retired offensive linemen. You will never hear like a bad word about Marshall Yanta said from them. He's just so respected.
All right, let's get into some recent news, man. Before we get into all this, uh, Jets high price corner Tremaine Johnson set to be released. What a disaster of a signing! That was oh, like one oh, of Greg Williams's yeah. guys. Yeah, that just between being injured and just like being he had one really good year. Like I never got the hype. Yeah, on him. I never got the hype for that one either. Uh, Josh Norman going to Buffalo one year deal. Sean, Sean McDermott could he save him? I don't know because Josh Norman looked for the past two years has looked beyond washed. Yeah. Like he. Looks like one of the slowest corners in that league, but look, Buffalo has that system. They play a lot of cover three. Maybe it'll benefit him. Also, not asked to be the guy anymore. Tredavious White is a baller. True, but hey, quarterbacks could target you, so he better be ready to play. But I'm sure McDermott's one of those nonsense coaches that if he sees a player that's complete liability, he will bench him regardless of contract. Broncos traded for AJ Bouye. Need someone to replace Chris Harris. Yeah, man, that's a name that uh. Uh, that's a that's a name that's a star name that can make a big big impact on. A, on he's the thirty, but he's still playing still at a very high level, yeah, and he could cover level. slot receivers too, which is big versatility. Eagles plan to move on from Jason Peters. We talked about Mike earlier. I think Jason Peters to Cleveland. That's the move. If they don't want to trade you know, draft capital, get Trent Williams. I think Jason Peters is the next best option, at least a one year mainstay, and just develop a tackle behind them. And I, I don't know if this guy will make your list, but I, I think this could almost segue in, you know, there's some correlation here between Austin Eckler seems to be the guy now for the Chargers, four-year, to, to $24.5 million deal. Signs are they're going to let go of Melvin Gordon, let him test free agency. So how do you feel about them going with Eckler? I think if you want to look at running back contracts, because that's such a touchy subject nowadays, I think that's like one of the best contracts you could put together for someone that's been legitimately productive. Yeah, look what look how much better the offense was when Eckler was the feature running back. So. He's he's a prime example of the Aaron Jones eye test. I was saying this two years ago. I was like, yeah, I don't know what the PFF grades are. We just had Mike. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they are between him and 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 Williams, but I just from watching football, it just looks like the offense played better when he was out there. And the same thing goes with Austin Eckler. Yeah, he's just productive. So. Yeah, I think they're going the right move. It's it's just the eye test, and I think Velva Gord, he's kind of just damaged his reputation for how he handled the whole holdout situation. And Eckler's such a multi-dimensional weapon. You see what they did with him on you know swing routes, uh, wheel routes. It's just he's so dynamic, so you gotta utilize him. All right, let's get into our top five free agents. Now, this isn't going to include quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are coming later on. Alan, kick us off. Who's your or, or how you are you going from five to one? You're going one to five. What are you doing? Uh, we can do a five to one. All right, so let's start, kick us off. I'm really excited about Corey Littleton. Thought he was one of the best players on Rams defense. And we talked about linebackers. He's one of the true three down linebackers that has consistently played at a high level. He can move. He can cover. He plays a run relatively well. I think there's going to be a big demand for him. Like I see a team like Buffalo. Who has a lot of cap space and they're a budding contender. I think they could use a linebacker like him. I think the Raiders could make a huge blast. Giants could definitely use a linebacker. So there's going to be a big market for him. And I just don't see the Rams having that cap space to keep him. He's going to be one of those defensive players that it just is going to fall to the wayside. They can't invest in him. So uh, he's someone to definitely keep it on. He's easily the premier off ball linebacker in his free agency class. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you pay. I think I saw Sport, Sport AC. Sport rack, I think they're called. I think it's called spot rack. Spot rack. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's no, like, they're like, like the, the main contract. website. Yeah, yeah. Spot rack. They um, they said that the Rams pay forty five percent of their salary cap to five players. 
You don't develop through the draft. That's what yeah. happens. Big high profile trades. But Brand now you got to factor in they're probably going to have to pay Ramsey also. You better. You, you better after what you've given what up. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, for me, I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. Okay. He's on my list. Yeah. 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 Amari Cooper, man, seemed to figure out exactly what he needed to do when he went over to Dallas. His, I mean, he's probably a top five wide receiver since he went there if you look at the numbers mm-hmm. uh, from the time he got there in, in the middle of the season then they went on that run also his impact on Dak I've been on the record saying what he means to Dak is more important than what Zeke Elliott means to Dak because I think running backs will be replaced when you have a guy like Amari Cooper and you saw what the numbers were like the splits with Amari Cooper and without him they were significant the dude's still young like I was I got to take an L on that. I was very critical of them giving up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Everyone's taking L on that. That was one of the most roasted moves on Twitter. It was. And then yeah. you realize, it's like, dude, he's a 25-year-old wide receiver. Right. Where if you get another six years out of him at that level. I think people thought Dallas was going to have, they're going to be one of the more of the bomb-tier teams. I thought, okay, top 10 pick, really? That's what you're doing? So it was crazy. That trade got completely criticized. And then Golden Tate move got celebrated. And look how that panned out. You know, the Golden Tate trade that went to Philly, I should say. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, number four for me. I like Littleton, by the way, a lot. He uh, he really caught my attention in that Chiefs game. I want to go back when they played the Chiefs. That's right. He had, I think he, he had at least one foot. Because that game, I would toss out being like a crazy shoot. There were not just defensive turnovers. There were touchdowns. Yeah, and there know? were defensive plays yeah. made too. Um, all right. I want to stay with the Cowboys. I'm going to go with Byron Jones, man. A guy Stud. who... A guy who, yeah, I've been kind of critical of, but a lot of time it's just to troll my my cowboy friends. But I think the new norm is that bigger, longer corner on the outside. He's 27 years old. Um, Versatile. Play a slot. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot of interceptions, but I also think it's because teams avoid him. Like Anthony Brown plays for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I say uh, um, a also. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's food, you know, and also Xavier Woods too. Not the wrestler from the New Day. But I, I like I like Byron Jones. I think Dallas got hit by the one thing that happens to a lot of teams where the Saints are going to be facing this dilemma too, where they get Marshawn Lattimore and it's dope, and then they get Alvin Kamara in the same class. But it's like, all right, those contracts are going to and Ryan Ramchek and Ramchek premier too. right tackle. So you're going to have to pay three guys if you're the Saints in a couple of years, and then you've already paid Mike Thomas and you paid some other guys. Now you look at Dallas. It was cool you went on that run where you found Zach Martin. You found uh, Travis Frederick. Frederick. Lil Collins becomes a steal. Dak Prescott. Zeke. Tyron Smith's commanding a huge contract. And then all of a sudden, you end up paying the dude, um, the linebacker. What's his I forgot his name. Smith? Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, yeah. And then you're looking around. It's like, oh, someone got to take an L. I don't think the Cowboys re-signed Byron Jones. And I think he could be a guy. Ultimate troll move. Go to, like, Philly. I'm not sure if there's a room for him. Like I see Washington having a huge amount of cap space, but yeah. I don't know if Washington is the most attractive place. Yeah. yeah. But Byron Jones, I think he's the best corner available right. in the draft in uh for free agency. Yeah. I know everyone wants to talk about running backs don't matter and I probably he's probably going back to Tennessee, but I'm putting Derrick Henry purely off that just the last two years of what he's done. Just a true bell cow running back guy that I think could be a centerpiece of offense. He's proven it. You know, maybe not all 16 games, but still someone that if you need 25 carries, he could clearly handle the workload. 
team like Miami, if they want to make him like the centerpiece, or if you sense the cap room, build that juggernaut offense, maybe Philly. You know, ultimately, I do think he's going back to Tennessee, but there are options out there for him. And I just hope he gets roughly paid because what he's done, it's not just the playoffs, but I think even looking back in 2018, like some of those games against the Jaguars, he was just, or that I remember there was like a December run in general. It started with the Jaguars that Thursday night game, but then like, I remember even against the Giants, he like ran for like 150 in a TD. So Derek Henry's been doing his thing for quite a bit, and he deserves to get paid. So I hope it happens. I'm going to pull up a, a run of edge rushers now. And um, ultimately, like we were talking about with Mike, I do think uh, Yannick ends up staying in Jacksonville. Or gets traded. Or gets traded. Because yeah. he's franchise right now. Like, I, I, don't yeah. even, I don't even consider him a free agent right now. Yeah. He can't go anywhere. But, dude, if he was to become available, like he'd probably be my number one guy. Okay. 24-year-old pass rusher like that, that dynamic. That explosive and also like never really got fully unleashed because he was playing at a limited basis because of the guys that were also in the rotation, especially with getting Josh Allen in coming in last year too. And they were losing a lot. And they were losing a lot. Yeah. 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 But man, you, we were talking about this many times throughout the year when we started talking about free agent names and guys that could be on the move. And it's like you can't find pass rushes like that at that age. Mm-hmm. So Yannick. How do you say his last name? Ngaku? Ngakwe. Ngakwe. Yeah, for me, it's a number three, man. I'm going Shaquille Barrett. I think he was a little unfortunate in Denver playing behind Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware even those last few years, and then Bradley Chubb got brought. He was always productive, living snaps, and then just seen when he went to Tampa, I was like, oh, man, that could be a low-key, really good steal, and he ends up leading the league in sacks and just tormenting tackles. Like He was one of those pass rushers in the league just – annihilating people from him. There were some games. He just he was unblockable. Uh, I do think he ultimately gets franchised by Bucks, but I think a team like Buffalo, Indy, or even the Giants should look to try to sign him because I do think he's worth the contract. I know people say, oh, one-year wonder. To me, he's not. He just didn't get the opportunities. This is someone that, if you watch his tape from last year, is a guy that could do it all, and I hope he gets rightfully paid. It's probably going to get franchised, but I do think, especially Bruce Arians, he knows talent when he sees it, and I, I think that organization wants to make sure Barrett's there for a long haul. And I think Barrett has a soft spot given that, look, the Bucks were that organization to give him his chance. So, Man, that's a $1 million base salary in 2019, and then he did what he did. 19 and a half sacks, six forced fumbles, 58 tackles for loss. Um, My next guy, we also kind of touched on him during the regular season as well. Remember at one point I was like, yo, who leads the league in interceptions? You'd probably never guess his name. Yeah. Do you know who I'm going with? Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris, man. I really like what he did in that secondary with uh, with Minnesota. And, you know, um, Xavier Rhodes, though he locked up Michael Thomas in that playoff game, you know, Rhodes was open a lot during this year. And Anthony Harris was more of the f- – he also has um, Harrison Smith, too. I thought Harrison Smith's play dipped a little bit. Yeah, but it's also that's a good running mate to have yeah. back there in the secondary. But I think, man, Anthony Harris, 28 years old, um, six interceptions, 11 passes, defended 60 tackles. He was tied with Gilmore, who won Defensive Player of the Year, and Tredavious White, who we were singing his praises not too long ago on this episode, and in interceptions. And I think he's established himself as, uh, you know, he's not he's not Earl Thomas, but how 
how Mike compared Aaron Donald to being like a tier of his own. I think Anthony Harris is in that like second to high third tier of safety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'd be comfortable paying him $14 million like a honey badger, but it's a guy who he'll command north of 9 to $10 million, and I think it's it's warranted. Yeah, because I don't think Minnesota can afford him, and Zimmer's not someone that particularly invests in safety. So I do think he's going to be on the market. And look, he was definitely a ball hawk. He uses that center field safety that a lot of teams crave. He could play, you know, 15, 20 yards downfield, and he has the range to make plays. So, yeah, definitely expect him to command a huge market. Um, for me, number two, I'm going to be prepared, but I think Byron Jones is someone that the Cowboys have to somehow figure it out because I think he's just too good to let go. I, I know the cap situation is rough for them, and I, I have a, ca- a lot of cap space right now, but they're going to it's gonna they're gonna have to start making some decisions, but to me, Byron Jones, just the versatility factor where this guy was times covering tight ends at one point. Now he's shifted to playing corner full-time, but he's just someone kind of like Chris Harris could play the slot, play on the outside. He's someone that's been very consistent for a team that you know, they have a lot of big names, but I thought Dallas defense kind of dipped last year. DeMarcus Lawrence wasn't making as many big plays. Van Der Esch was injured. Jalen Smith had a kind of a down year. That was another guy who I forgot to mention before, and I was going on that rant about the Cowboys. I had to get paid at the wrong time. Yeah, DeMarcus. DeMarcus. He totally deserved it, though. He had a no, really, no, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that he didn't deserve it, but I'm saying that the time of it was. But with Byron Jones, I think a team with the Jets, the Redskins, they had the cap space to form, but. If there's a team that needs a corner, I know we talk about Philly, but another team, same state, the Texans. The Texans mm. could use someone, and if Texans have cap room. If they could somehow get him in, that would be huge because they were playing castaways last year. Like you saw Vern Hargreaves getting snaps. Uh, I think Bradley Rowe was kind of iffy, and then Jonathan Joseph's been there since. I feel like the I feel like he's been there since the inception of the Texans. I know I know he's on Cincy for a bit, but if you told me Jonathan Joseph's been on the Texans since 2002. I wouldn't be shocked. But I think Byron Jones is that type of guy that can really elevate defense that desperately needs playmakers. For me, my number one guy, and um, if the OGs listening to the show remember this, they know I'm not the biggest fan of his, but am I crazy for putting Clowney up? Yeah, absolutely. You've been critical of Clowney all year. I'm shocked by this. He's a... We're, we're going to do some honorable mentions after it. He's definitely, like, if I do top 10, he'd be in top 10. But I think Klein number one is, that's a pretty hot take. Yeah, I regret this immediately. But he, um, I, I feel like I've been way more appreciative of Klein than you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what it is with Clowney, man? I, I'm still, maybe it's maybe it's what uh, Mike was talking about. Number one overall pick. He's due up in free agency. Maybe I'm falling into that trap of holding on to he hasn't really produced as a number one pick then because I don't think Houston gets rid of him if he was mm-hmm. being that productive. But I, against the run, he's stout. I think it's lack of consistency is his problem. Like yeah. you see him flash like that game against San Fran Monday night, he just tormented both McClinchy and Staley. Like he was a big reason why Seattle won that game. So you see Flash's Eagles game. I know we talk about the cheap hit on uh, Carson Wentz, but he had he had a huge impact in that game. He was creating pressure. There's just games where he calls havoc. Just I think with Klein, just you don't see those stack numbers, sack numbers because it's just whether it be this time situation or the times he's dropping into coverage or it's times they shit them inside. He's just this versatile factor where he just creates more chaos than rather than put up the numbers, you know, sack numbers, especially when you're playing with JJ Watt and Whitney Merciless. I think Klein is a very good player. Just he's not someone I think you can rely on as a number one edge rusher. I think that's why Seattle's kind of faded on. Like I would take Yannick over him. Oh uh, yeah, all, all things I considered, two totally different players. So I'm trying to think, but well, yeah, more I, I think a, Ngakwe. Yeah, I think you're getting more for what's worth with Ngakwe. 
But there's a lot of value at Klein. I just wouldn't put him number one. I wouldn't take him over Shaquille Barrett or uh, Yankin Gakwe. What uh? Who's your who's your top dog? Mark Cooper. I think Mark Cooper. Even though he kind of declined a little bit then the last year, I think injuries kind of hinder, injuries hinder him in general. I think that's one thing that's kind of keeping him from being like a consensus top five receiver. But you look at a team like the Colts. Could you imagine what he could do there if you know they get things right? Because Frank Reich, he's one of the best offensive minds. They could because <laughs> it's funny like Cooper. They talked about the whole Patriots game where Gilmore kind of blanketed him. But I was like, could you imagine if if the Dallas had any sort of creative mind or any sort of coach that knew how to you know create open plays for you know star receivers like you know just scheme open players pretty yeah. much they do couldn't think, do that do you think he's expendable because of Gallup do you think Gallup could be a number one guy I think Gallup could be a number one guy I think Cooper's talented enough where you should pay him mm-hmm. um, I think okay. I, I, I think both are just really talented receivers I don't think Gallup what he's done should affect your mindset but uh, with Cooper, whether it be Colts, I saw the Patriots might be interested in that big fun fit. I just think McDonald's and Belichick would know I get the most out of him. And who knows, maybe a team like Tennessee as well. So he has a lot of options. I do think the Cowboys resign him, but uh, I think he's someone that is still best as yet to come. He just injuries have kind of limited him. And I'm excited to see where he goes. He's just going to be the real coaching staff. I think Jason Garrett has hindered him a bit. So. Uh, I do want to give some honorable mentions. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, yeah. mention some of your yeah. guys. Anthony Harris, you mentioned, and Clowning. I think those are two names right there. Ark Armstead, coming off his best year at San Fran. At times, I thought, was their best defense line. I know Bosa, D. Ford, and Buckner do their thing. There were times where he was creating the most pressure, and I don't think San Fran's going to be able to resign, but he's someone that could line up inside and off the edge. So Can I can I tell you one of mine? Your boy, Austin Hooper. He's good. He's not on my list, but he's good. I think he would have... He missed some time this year, right? I uh, missed three games with knee injury. All right, he ended with 75 catches. He right. plays those games as a target he was getting. You're probably looking at an 85-catch tight end. I think you're feeling a little bit different about him. Uh, I think I, he's in that, like... I, I, he's not the guy. He, I don't think he's top five guy because I think he's, he's more of a guy that eats up zone rather than, like, man-to-man. He doesn't create as many big plays. He's not, like, a big play guy. He's more, I would say, a reliable weapon uh, than someone that's a big like play Would you say he's, like, an opportunist? Where, because of the guys around him, maybe? Well, this point cast wasn't that great this year. But like you have to respect Julio and, and Ridley, and, Ridley yeah. and even Sanu at the time he was, he was there. Still there. In a way, I just think Cooper's not someone. He's not someone like a George Kittle where he's going to make plays. Uh, he's he not going to create your separation. Point. He does. He does make plays after a catch. So I will say that he is very underrated, and he's a good blocker. Like he's a good player. He just he's not someone. Like, I don't think he'll ever be a top five tight end. Interesting. All right. All right. Uh, but I also want to give a couple of shouts. Anthony Harris, like you mentioned, I think Brent Sheriff, uh, right guard on the Redskins. Word, he's leaving he, Washington. He, he, he's someone. Uh, he, he last two years has been kind of hindered by injuries, but still, someone thinks could come in a huge market as a guard. I think once again, a team like Houston. Like I want to see what Houston could do because we always talk about what's their championship window like. I feel like they still have the cap room where they can make things happen, whether it be Brent Sheriff or Chris Harris. I, he's my last honorable mention. He's someone that's a corner to that. I think. We'll end up going to Texas. I do think Dallas makes it work with Byron Jones. But if I make a prediction, I do think Chris Harris would go to Houston. So uh, that's my honorable mention. So Chris Harris, Brent Sheriff, Anthony Harris, Ark Armstead, and Jadavion Clowney. That would be those would be the guys that I'm expecting a lot of interest in, and those are guys that are probably gonna make the biggest impact on either their new teams or their teams that can resign them. Yeah, I want to mention like Dante Fowler, another guy who's in that tricky situation. Ooh, with he's going to get paid, and I think some teams are going to regret it. I yeah. think him and Bud Dupree are two guys to be very wary on, particularly yeah. Fowler. Uh, Dupree, I'll give credit, put it together 
consists of your work. I think Fowler is more flesh than you know, production. And also a couple of grizzled vets like uh, Devin McCourty. I think he could, in, in the right situation. I'm, I'm going to just assume he's going back to New England. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he's still talent. Like, he's still a playmaker. I just, he just won those free. Just got like Derek Henry. Like, I can't see him leaving. I think the organization values him too much. What about a dude like Justin Simmons? Do you like him? I don't think he's going to hit the market. I think no. they're going to fr- probably franchise him. Interesting. But he's a playmaker, definitely. All right, let's talk about some of these quarterbacks, man. Obviously, the most notable one is Tom Brady. Do you really think he leaves New England? Oh, my God. I just feel like there's every day is a new headline. Like, I don't know what to believe because being someone that works on Media B, it's like I, I want to believe certain sources, but then it's just like I can't see it happening. Yeah. I just think that system, like New England, they just value it too much. I think it's a lot of it smoke. Like one thing I can't, I just can't see the Raiders. Like I know everyone talks about the new market. I think Brady needs. I think Brady realizes that his window, whether it be one more year or somehow two more years, who knows? But I just think he realized. I think it comes out of your New England or Tennessee. I do think the Mike Vrabel connection is real. I don't think he clearly recognizes Tennessee's a threat, given that you know they lost to him, and you see what Tennessee's doing, and an offense where he, the talent's there. He the Burden won't be so much on him given you know their run first offense, but I think it comes down to New England, Tennessee. But I just can't see New England as an organization just letting this happen. I think they're just too they have too much you know the infrastructure is right there and there's too many powerful heads there that won't let this happen. Yeah, um, I think only money can get him to go to a team like Oakland, the Chargers. I don't think it would be money, though. Do you think at this point it's career? I, I, I shouldn't say that. I, everyone wants a big payday. But I feel like New England would pay him, though. I just think they're playing horrible right now because that's the Patriot way. That's fair. That's fair. I do I think just, Tennessee's a legitimate threat, though. Yo, I've heard Colin Cowherd say the Cowboys. I don't know why you take that man's opinion seriously. Over, like, re-signing Dak. Well, I guess we could talk about Dak here, too. Dak Prescott. All right, here's the thing about Dak Prescott. He's a guy who I think when you have to pay him and the pieces around him start to fall because you can't re-sign them, he might get exposed. Hmm. I'm waiting to see what he does with real coaching staff. Where do you fall on the side of Carson Wentz versus Dak Prescott? I think I take Wentz, but it's not a huge discrepancy. I disagree. I think the... If you're looking at the talent level of the two guys, I think it's, I really think it's day and night. Carson Wentz is just way better than him. I don't know, way better. I still think Dak can make a lot of big time throws. It's just, I don't think he's had, I just think the coaching's been piss poor there. And I'm not totally sold on McCarthy. I'm not definitely not sold on Mike McCarthy, but it's got to be an upgrade at this point. But I, I think some of Dak's, I, I was a little pretty disappointed in the second half of the season. Like you saw a couple of those games, like, uh, there's a night at Chicago was a disaster, and you know Thanksgiving game like he didn't play that well, and maybe there was some. I know late in the season he was on injury report, but look, Wentz has been banged up so much. I, I do think Wentz is better, but let's not pretend Wentz is not has issues. Like there were times this year, even like he looked kind of skish in a pocket, but of course the like supporting cast didn't help. But I don't think Wentz has been totally surefire year in year out this top five quarterback obviously 2017 could have easily been mvp but you know, 2018 was shaky at times and this year was much better but i don't see it as a huge discrepancy at all i think Dak deserves to get paid 
right. if you if you look at Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, you look at these guys that have could blown major opportunities. Like these two guys have had geniuses at their disposal. Yeah, and they've completely fumbled at the biggest opportunities possible. You know, being in the Super Bowl, just neither of them delivered at all. And now you've seen Goff kind of flounder and. And I don't think Dak's ever been like a real liability on the road, or he hasn't been so much scared uh, to throw the ball, unlike those two quarterbacks. So if those guys are going to get paid, then why can't he get paid? Or like even someone like Kirk Cousins. What do you think happens with Jameis? And where <laughs> would you want to see him go? That is a true. I want to see him go to the Chargers just because I want the most ridiculous shit show franchise to be with the most ridiculous shit show quarterback. I just want to see pure entertainment at its finest. And, yeah, why not? I do think Jameis deserves to still start in this league. Hey, I know we're connecting Andy Dalton with the Bears. Well, I think Jameis would be a, somewhat of an upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky. So, I think Jameis definitely deserves a start. I think him being a backup would be pretty harsh. Like, 32 quarterbacks better than Jameis Winston? I don't think that's true. I just think the issue is there's so many teams that are going to be fed up with the turnovers. Like, you see Bruce Arians. Like, he was just about to lose that at times this year. So... I like to see a Chargers, but your guess is as good as mine where he goes because who knows how teams are evaluating because I assume there are a lot of organizations that just don't want to touch Seamus Winston because he's as erratic as it gets. 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. That's so wild. I would like to see him... Man, ready for this? Could you imagine him in New England? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey... I want entertainment. That's why I wouldn't mind Brady in Tennessee because I think it would be cool. But Belichick and McDaniels dealing James Winston. Unless Belichick at this point's career just wants to like see what he could do. It would be a fun experiment, but oh, I can't see that happening. You don't think that Tennessee's just sold on Ryan Tannehill? They should be after what happened, but who knows what's going through Mike Rabel's mind. He definitely has that. It's either Brady or Ten. I don't see them going well. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think just that allegiance with Brady makes them, you know, kind of want to consider it. But you know, I ultimately think Tannehill is the guy there. And look, cause without Tannehill, they don't make the playoffs. Everyone's talking about one thing that's really frustrates me is that people base their opinions off just the playoffs. They're like, oh, what did Tannehill do in the playoffs? I'm like, did you watch those, what, nine games he started? Beating Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, had a great performance since New Orleans. Times where he looked unstoppable, whether it be against, say, Indy or Oakland. Like, without him, they don't make the playoffs. That's right. So he's someone, whether it be in Tennessee or not, he's starting next year and he fully deserves it. What about Andy Dalton? He mentioned he mentioned the Bears before. Mike mentioned the Bears before. I think Dalton could win you games if he's in a... I kind of want to see him reunite with Jay Gruden, but I have no idea what to expect in Jacksonville. So What about what about him in Tampa Bay? Bruce Arians has been one to fix quarterbacks. I, was, I want Tampa Bay to draft somebody. I want to see someone new in that new offense. Player. Yeah, with Evans and Godwin. I just want them to start fresh. I feel like they have the piece around where the rookie quarterback could acclimate pretty quickly. And, you know, mine like Bruce Arians. It's someone that has a cannon. You need to have an arm with Yeah, them. yeah, yeah, with the guys that they have around there. Yeah, so I don't think any Dolan would be the best fit there. I think any Dolan, you want to, be, you want to put him on a team where I guess Chicago would be the most ideal fit. Somewhere where he doesn't have to carry the team because if he's in Tampa Bay, they're going to have to put points because they still have a lot of flaws. Let me tell you something. It's a wrap for Mitchell Trubisky if Andy Dalton goes there and becomes a starter. Like that boy should go to the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> if he 
If you get repla- if you're if you're Mitchell Trubisky and you get replaced by Cam Newton, Tom Brady, I feel that. He, Mitchell Trubisky will stand asleep because of his draft stats. He will he won't immediately have to go XFL, but some team will give him a chance. I don't know who, but like we look that draft pedigree. You know, so. But no, I do agree that with the fact that yeah, his days are numbered. I just can't. I can see. You know what? Now that I think about it, I could see them doing something that. If I'm Andy Dalton, I'm trying to do what Tannehill did. I go to a team like a Chicago. I go to a team like a even like a Chargers or someone that has a. Well, the Chargers at the moment don't have a starting quarterback, but I, I think they'd be a good candidate to draft. Give Tyrod one more chance. <laughs> but you know, I'm trying to say with a guy like. Um, uh, Andy Dalton is you go to a team that has some weapons around him very shaky at the quarterback position with the starter that's there now and then you hope that they're in a situation like Tennessee where they're just not they're just doing what they usually do with, with Trubisky and yeah. then you take the reins from there and you yeah. saw how that rejuvenated like dude AJ Brown was like a must start in your fantasy league I could have won rookie year yeah yeah he was came along at the end yeah. you know Jonu Smith was a thing mm-hmm. So, by the way, you want to talk about throws. Everyone saw about Town didn't do anything in the playoffs. That throw against oh, the Ravens, yeah, which yeah, started yeah. all off back yeah. to the end zone. Beautiful throw. Yeah. So, uh, we mentioned the Raiders with any, because who knows what their the whole car situation there. But I can't see like Gruden and Jameis getting along or anything. But maybe one year stopgap with Andy Dalton, because I think Mike Mayock was always very high in Andy Dalton. So, that could be a possible option. Or I should say it, Vegas, my apologies. Yeah. Man, at that at that point, like, you're not really, you're kind of getting the same guy, no? I think Dolan's an upgrade or Derek Carr. I do not rate Derek Carr at all. I slightly improved this year, but when things got tough, he just, he's kind of a front runner, Derek Carr. He doesn't make throws downfield, and when pressure gets to him, he crumbles. All right. That's why when I was when Giant fans like, oh, we need to trade for Derek Carr. I'm like, have you watched him play? Oh no, no. Who said this? This is a couple years ago, huh? Or a year ago even, like 2018. People are like, oh, forget drafting. Let's take a chance on someone. Yeah, (laughs) New Yorkers. But we we bring up the obvious fit, and I just think this needs to happen. Is Phil Rivers needs to go to the Colts? Yeah, that's a perfect one. Because indoors, don't need to worry about weather. Great offensive system. Great, great offensive, offensive line. Yeah, uh, pretty uh, okay defense. It's not the worst defense in the league. It's not yeah. the best one either. And they could upgrade. They have cap room. They got cap room. They have a head coach that is clearly one of the premier minds in the league. And they proven they could draft very well. This new regime, yeah. Yeah, and even they could take a chance on like a third or fourth round QB to develop them. You know, I do think Rivers is on the decline. I uh, His arm strength just... This decision making, then his arm just looks so bad late in the season. But I do think in that offense where he, the pass protection will be there, and they can scheme plays open for him, I, they can make it work for a year or two. And I just hope he goes there. I don't want him to go to Tampa because I don't think he's a quarterback that could really get the most out of Aaron's system. Like he's just not someone that could throw deep anymore. So I think Frank Reich in that offense, he could get the most out of him. So I really hope that happens because we both love Philip Rivers, even though we kind of admit that he's, I guess, kind of washed. But I still think you could get in there a year or two, him and. Hopefully they make it happen because uh, Jacoby Brissett's solid, but I just think they realize there's too many limitations. All right, cool, man. Is there anything else you want to add? I think we nailed all the quarterbacks, right? Is there anything else? Oh, Teddy B. Yeah, well, I actually had in my laptop before I closed it about what do you think happens with New Orleans. Like, obviously, they go with Drew Brees again. 
and the whole Taysom Hill franchise quarterback Taysom Hill. Well, <laughs> they put a tender on him. I don't know. Like, we met, I assume like team like Miami is going to draft the QB because we haven't really mentioned Miami, but like I would be cool to see maybe Bridgewater in with the Raiders. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if reports came out at the combine that Tua is fine. And it was not too long ago where people were like, "That's the number one pick in the draft," and I wouldn't sell my stock on Tua. Okay, I like Tua a lot. Maybe Tua and Bridgewater because I don't think I don't think anyone signed Bridgewater for more than like two years. Yeah, like it's year one year or two years because you just don't know what to expect. But I do think Bridgewater deserves a chance elsewhere because when he came in for Breeze this year, he did his thing. Yeah, yeah. So I was feeling really good about my Saints not making the playoffs call when Drew Breeze went down. <laughs> A lot of people did. I remember you weren't the only one. I yeah. heard people like, oh, New Orleans is going to fade now. I'm like, wait till Sean Payton and that offense does their thing. And what do you know? Six wins off the bounce. Yeah. But, yeah, I hope Teddy B gets what he deserves because I would like to see him go on opportunity. I don't think he's a franchise QB necessarily, but he's someone that could be a nice stopgap option for a team like Miami or even the Chargers. All right, man. I think we're good here. A lot of uh, NFL free agency. Try to um, – I, I think – I'll talk to you about an idea that I have, another idea that I have. Maybe we could do some rapid fire uh, when free agency goes down um, next week. Because that's always just when I put my notifications on Adam Schefter's Twitter and just get all the reports as they're coming up. I forgot what website it was. Maybe it was Sports Illustrated, but someone did a long form story on Adam Schefter during that time period. They did follow them for two days and just what he does. Like he gets no, up. I met Adam Schefter before, right? Yeah, he, he came by my job. He had two phones on him, and then I was like, "I was like, hey, Adam Schefter, uh, I'm a big fan of your work." And he shakes my hand, and I go, "Yo, can we take a picture?" He's like, "Yeah, no problem, man." He's like, "Oh, sorry, it's the Bears. Can I just answer this?" I was like, "Yeah, dude." Yeah. Like, had two phones on him. He literally gets up like 4 a.m. Quick little workout, and then he's just ready to go. He's got his phones ready, makeup, and he's on ESPN. He's got like three shows, all sorts of segments. Like it's a crazy art. I'm gonna try to find a link, but it came out a few years ago, and just they follow. It's like 4 a.m., 5:15, 5:45, 6:30, and it's just incredible what he does. Him and Ian Rappaport, the gold standard. I think they did a HBO Sports on him, a HBO uh, Real Sports. He's fascinating yeah. as well. Yeah. So. All right, Alan, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan underscore start. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. Let's do a roll call. Shout out to all the members of the Patreon. Nick Chavez. My guy Piz. Bill's Mafia in the building. Not in the building, but you get my Tokyo Drift. Christopher Velasquez, Bo Clore, Corey Johnson Hoops, Derek Pleates, and Daniel Gibson. And I also want to give a shout out while we're here, brother, brother. Um, a new, new, a new first time ever member of the Patreon. And his name is it was just in front of me. I'm an idiot. Marcos Robledo. Shout out to him. Thank you. I appreciate your donation. And most importantly, congrats. And then as far as I go, you can find me at The Lamb Show on all social media outlets. And we will catch you guys next time on Veterans Minimum. Yeah, the Patreon got like five episodes up right now. So that are going to be pre-released. So if you guys want to go and check that out, you can. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. And we'll catch you guys next time.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com